it's the next level. Hey, my name is Ross Marquand and I play Red Skull. You are listening to Panels to Pixels podcast. Check it out. Panels to Pixels, Preachers Seasons 1 to 3, Recap and Review. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm Mark. (laughs) I'm Steve. And wow, we're on to a new show, something that's been around for a long time. And a lot of our friends wanted us to actually podcast about this, and I love the idea because I've been watching this for a long time, and I was never a fan of the comic because I didn't really know about the comic, but when I heard it was and Seth Rogen was involved, I had to watch this show, and I think it's awesome. I, I think everybody else will think it's awesome, too. Yeah, same here. I uh, I never knew about the comic. I, I heard the concept of the show and the concept of the show really intrigued me. And uh, so I, I think I might've saw a preview for it and I was like, man, I want to check this out. And so, and I was hooked from the beginning. Yeah. It was, it's very original for what it does. It's nothing like what DC did with, uh, with other characters that were on that sidelines of like the darkness of religion and everything else. So to, to me, I thought uh, it, it's kind of humorous it's a little bit crazy at times, <laughs> but uh, I actually enjoy watching it. Uh, I, I guess because you got a bunch of pot smokers actually writing the show. <laughs> it makes it interesting and funny and fun to watch. Yeah, I like I said, I uh, I, I really like I, I like the concept of it, and uh, I started watching from episode one and was just uh, was just hooked in uh, by all of it. And uh, uh, so, you want me to give a little bit a little bit of a recap of season one, and then uh, kind of I think what we're gonna do for this uh, this episode today is we're gonna give you recaps of all three of the first three seasons. And then uh, give our thoughts on those seasons, and then we will give a review for season four episodes, season uh, episodes one and two, because that's what we saw last Sunday night on August 4th. Sure, that would work. So season one of Preacher, we meet Jesse Custer. He's the pastor of a rural West Texas town. Uh, He's the pastor of a church in this rural West Texas town. He gets imbued with some supernatural power uh, where he's able to control people with his voice. It's called Genesis. We meet his girlfriend, uh, who is named Tulip, and we also meet the vampire named Cassidy. Uh, you know, we get we get an origin for Preacher in season one. That's really great. We get to meet all the characters that are going to be with us. It appears throughout the whole season, the, throughout the whole series. Really, we, we meet this kid Eugene, who's got uh, his face is all messed up and uh, kind of looks like a butthole. And uh, <laughs> uh, we meet the Saint of Killers. And uh, all of that is in season one. Now, when we get to season two, we meet some more interesting characters. But we'll get to that when we talk about season uh, season two. At the end of season one, our characters learn that God is missing. And so they decide they're going to go on a search for God. And I thought it's really interesting. I picked up the trade paperback this week. Or actually, I ordered it from Amazon of the first, um, the first trade paperback where the actual comic book starts 
with the search for God. And I remember hearing, I think it was either Seth Rogen or Goldberg in an interview saying that they were really intrigued to be able to do the origin story for a preacher that had not been done in the comics yet. And so that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is definitely cool for the fact that I actually picked up the free comic book day first issue of Preacher. So I have that issue when they reprinted it for a free comic book day about, I would say, two years ago. Right. And it was right around the time when the show just about ended, like for the season one. Mm-hmm. And I read it and I, I thought, wow, where was I when this happened? <laughs> so this was in the 90s at this point. So Wow. And apparently a lot of that artwork is up for sale and now it's like, costly because the show is very much herald in high regard you know they, everybody loves it everybody is intrigued by it but now you know we're in its final season but i think you know seth rogan and is it adam goldberg adam goldberg thank you i i blanked on the first name and i was gonna say ethan and i knew it wasn't ethan but yeah i think you're right it's adam goldberg yeah adam goldberg they're they're looking to do uh, uh another robert kirkman show so yeah. based on the comics. So I, I think they're working on that right now. So I think they're wrapping up Preacher in a sense that where everybody will be happy because they're extreme. Honestly, if you guys have not watched The Boys, I would suggest you guys see it. So good. We should just do, honestly, between, and then we didn't talk about this before, but I'm thinking we just do a whole season one recap just about all our favorite things that we loved about The Boys. But they did that, and I thought, wow, this is extreme, and I love it. And this is pretty much where Preacher started off. You know, I thought Preacher was extreme, but The Boys they're a little bit more extreme. So. I believe if I'm I'm if I'm correct, I believe Garth Ennis, who did Preacher, is also involved with the comic book for the boys, also. So there's a lot of similarities there. That's I think it's Garth Ennis yeah. uh, that's also involved in both those projects. So it's very, very cool. Uh yeah, The Boys is a show that if, if you haven't checked out The Boys yet on Amazon, uh you need to do that and get over to T V Podcast Industries and hear their podcasting on it. Yeah, definitely. A little shameless plug for some friends. So what what else stood out to you, Mark? I've got a few things in my mind that I remember that I didn't put in our, our agenda here, but what stood out to you in season one that was kind of cool? All I can say is I love season one and how it started out. But what from what I remember from the actual season one, Jesse obtained the power of the voice of God, which was Genesis and has to open Cassidy and the the funniest moments ever from what I could see on TV. Come on. In my opinion, it was how he was granted these powers. It was pretty funny and, and seeing how that happened and how it came to be. They overlooked a lot of people, but the funniest was Tom Cruise that was... <laughs> you know, part of the Church of Scientology. And yeah, that's, he, he was blown up. And they got away with great. it. <laughs> that's so good. I'm I'm so surprised that the, that they were able to do that actually, because it does seem a little it's so out there. But that is that is how season one starts is we see this force kind of traveling through the universe trying to find a host. And we're not gonna find out until the I think it's season three when we actually find out why Jesse Custer was the one who was able to contain 
this power. But we'll get to that when we get to season three. Yeah, I just love that we see we see a couple of preachers that it tries to inhabit and they explode. And then all we like throughout the season, even I think there's a couple times when in the background you'll hear the TV, you'll hear news broadcasts, and you see uh, there's a scene in the first episode of all those people running out of the Church of Scientology because Tom Cruise has just exploded. They don't actually show Tom Cruise exploding, but you you see it and you hear the news stories about it. So yeah, that was that was really really cool and how Jesse. Uh, it's one of those moments in the show where even Jesse doesn't know he has the power until they find out about this guy that he told to give his heart to his mother. And the guy literally flies to Florida and cuts his heart out and gives it to his mother there in her nursing home in Florida. So, yeah, it, it, it's like I said, this show is extreme and it's the start of the extreme stuff. But yeah. to me, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was such a it's just it was such a novel concept and uh, especially to end end season 1 with the explosion of the town with having Jesse uh, Cassidy and Tulip get out of the town before that happens and so they basically tie up every single storyline from the town by blowing it up and we don't ever have to visit revisit those people again the only one who is saved from the town and ironically enough he's saved because of Jesse's power is Eugene who because Jesse had sent him to hell Eugene wasn't there when the town exploded so we get that scene in season two where Eugene shows up and he's standing at the edge of the crater of the town of Anvil. Yep. Which does lead us to season two. And uh, season two is all about the search for God, like I talked about before. It's actually where the comics start. We meet this guy named Hare Star and the Grail. The Grail is a kind of quasi-religious fascist organization that may have ties to the Nazis, but it's definitely a fascist type of organization. Uh, Jesse Tulip and Cassidy travel to New Orleans on their search for God. They find out that by the end of the season, they find out that God is uh, is traveling around the country wearing a dog suit, which is just hilarious. Yeah. Um, uh, he Jesse, one thing that happens during season two that makes season two different from the other seasons so far is there's a point where Jesse has to give up a piece of his soul. We learn that souls can be partially removed from bodies in season two. And so he gives up a piece of his soul in order to be able to control the saint of killers because the saint of killers doesn't have a soul. And uh, it's a it's a whole thing. But uh, Jesse's power kind of starts to go on the fritz after he loses this piece of his soul. Eugene is in hell and he has met Hitler and they escape from hell. And uh, it's just, there's a whole lot of other stuff in season two, but season two ends with our group kind of fracturing and Tulip and Cassidy are choosing to, they're going to kind of strike out on their own. They don't want to do the search for God. Jesse's going to continue searching and, uh, or no, Jesse has decided to accept the Grail's invitation to take up the mantle of Messiah and Jesse uh, and uh, Cassidy and Tulip are going to continue the search for God. Unfortunately, that all gets derailed because Tulip gets shot and killed at the very end of season two. And Jesse and Cassidy have kind of a fight there because Cassidy wants to turn her into a vampire to keep her alive. And Jesse won't let him. They have this little fight and that will be something that, is going to carry through the rest of the series. Just this incident of Jesse not allowing Cassidy to turn her into a vampire. And if you guys didn't understand, yeah, Cassidy is a vampire, which is so (laughs) weird, but is so funny because the character in itself is humorous 
fun to watch on screen, and I, I just love the idea of Cassidy. It is great that we have this character of this vampire, because one of the things in season one that we didn't get was any other vampires. He's the only one that we encounter. It's not until season two that we discover that there's other vampires out there. There is a bit, I forgot to mention this in the recap of season one, there's a there's a moment that I guess it, the, the showrunners decided not to follow this through, but there's a, a moment in the bar before Cassidy and Jesse meet for the first time where Cassidy's talking on the phone to someone who can send him money or gives him support or some sort of, he has some sort of relationship with and I don't think we ever get that explored through the rest of the series. That that happened in season one. But in season two, Cassidy gets his own kind of storyline for a little while. Yeah, which I love because that's actually the biggest part of season two that I enjoyed. Because when they make their way to New Orleans, they encounter so much. They're they're looking for God and they find, you know, God, you know the dog costume. And all these weird <laughs> things in New Orleans, uh, these bars and everything. And, you know, Jesse's always looked at as like, well, you're a preacher. What are you doing here? And they have to stay at Cassidy's son's house. And he's French-speaking uh, New Orleans person. So he doesn't speak a lick of English, but Cassidy understands everything he's saying and apparently the son who's older looks like an old man and he wants to become a vampire that that happens in that season and to me that there was so much heartfelt for Cassidy though we we see a lot with that and that really trapped me in that season and I loved it. Yeah, I, I misspoke. This isn't. The, it's actually season three that Cassidy gets a big, a big story, a solo story arc. Man, I, I, I binge watched all three of these seasons over the last two weeks, so I, I've, I've got them all messed up in my head. But yeah, this is the season where we meet Cassidy's son. Cassidy turns his son into a vampire, and they, they, there is some funny scenes there where they get these little translating devices where they can speak into it, and then it'll tell them. It'll, it'll speak French, it'll speak Cassidy's English, turn it into French for his son, and it'll turn his son's French into English for Cassidy to understand. And so we get these kind of funny scenes with these things. But then by the end of it, and it's, it's really a tragic story, because by the end of it, Cassidy finds out that he shouldn't have changed his son into a vampire, that, that you have to have a certain amount. Well, actually, we're going to find out in season three why it didn't work. But his son ends up being... You know, going way off the rails, Cassidy's trying to teach him not to kill humans, to drink animal blood, or to get blood from, you know, from the, the hospital or something, but don't actually attack humans. And he finds out that his son is doing that, is attacking humans, is keeping this dog for himself to try to feed on. And so the last episode of season two, before they leave town, he pushes his son out the window into the sunlight and his son bursts into flames uh it's a very tragic kind of scene where he has to kill his own son yeah which is really upsetting but honestly that was like a really cool story plot in my idea and my thought mm -hmm. i i really yeah. enjoyed the idea it's like oh he had a son I, i'm assuming this was before he became a vampire i was trying to work out the timing of it and it, it with the flashback scenes it's it's real close because they some of the flashback scenes almost make it seem like cassidy already was a vampire when this son is is born 
but I, I think you're right. I think it's 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 right around the same time. Like the sun is it, the sun is born, and then very shortly after that, Cassidy becomes because we've seen that we see a scene uh, in one of Cassidy's flashbacks where he goes to the hospital and he sees his baby son and he's making all these promises about being being there for him and being a good father. And then we find out that doesn't happen. And we can only assume, because we don't see that part of the story, that the reason it doesn't happen is because he becomes a vampire. Yeah. And plus, we find out, you know, that God's still around. He's not lost. He's just going around. Yeah. What is this? Like, something out of, you know, Kevin Smith's Dogma, where he's, like, playing, you know, skee-ball or, yeah. or, or hockey or yeah. whatever? I think it's great. There's a there's a meta moment in there, and uh, we get it we we get it established really um, later. But they find out that God, you know, they find out in the first season that God uh, has been impersonated, and the name of the actor on the show, the character on the show who is impersonating God, is named Mark Horlick, and Mark Horlick is the name of the actor who plays <laughs> the guy who plays God and play. It's a whole meta thing going on. It was when I watched the Comic Con panel. I watched a few minutes of the Comic Con panel, uh, and when he came out, I was like, "Oh, that's the same name as the character on the show." And <laughs> and, and there's a there's a whole thing between when Tulip meets God uh, in season three. Uh, there's a whole thing where she realizes that he looks a lot like the guy who's impersonating him and God tells her, well, yeah, that's by design. That's, you know, <laughs> so, so uh, it's a very, very funny, funny kind of moments. Um, but that season two, the, we, we get a lot of backstory of Tulip in, in season two. That's really great. We learn a lot more about her and Jesse's uh, relationship. We learn, well, not just her relationship. We, we, we learn about her yeah. and we learn that she has a husband. And my favorite, almost my, probably my favorite scene of the entire series so far, it hasn't been topped yet, is when Jesse goes to the house where Tulip is being held by her husband there in season two. And he has this fight with a torturer who's wearing headphones. So Jesse can't control him. And the song the guy is listening to is Uptown Girl by Billy Joel. And so there's this whole fight scene going on between him and Jesse when Uptown, while Uptown Girl is playing in the background. It's it's a great <laughs> fight scene. It's yeah, just, I just agree. Hilarious. <laughs> it was so good. It, it is definitely, is by far my favorite scene of of the series uh, so far, but that's as we said that season two ends with Tulip being shot and uh, dying on the floor. In fact, in fact, she does die, and that leads us right into season three. Picks up right where season two left off. It's got Tulip has died, and they have hustled. We get get a flashback in the last episode of season two that showed Jesse as a boy killing a chicken. And then bringing it to someone who he's apparently living with to bring it back to life. We got a very brief bit of that in at the end of season two. And so what we find out in season three is that after his father was killed, he was sent to live with his grandmother in New Orleans. And she is a gypsy witch. What, I don't think they ever actually call her a witch. They call her something, some other word for it. But they bring Tulip to her to have her bring Tulip back to life. And uh, so season three gives us a bunch about Jesse's past. We learn a bunch more about Jesse and Tulip's relationship as well from the past. Tulip is resurrected, uh, and the price is that Jesse has to sell part of his soul 
or not actually sell his soul, but he has he makes a blood oath with his grandmother that she can have his soul when he dies. And uh, you know, the Grail is still chasing him because they let him go at the end of season two, saying, you know, go ahead, or at the very beginning of season three, somewhere in there, Hairstar goes ahead and tells him, yeah, go ahead and take care of your business and then come back to us to be the Messiah. Because what we've learned is that from season two, we learn that the bloodline of the Messiah, that they're, they're again, for all my Christian friends out there, if you're listening to this, this, this is totally fictional. Yes. Okay. I don't <laughs> want anyone to think that I believe this is true. Okay. That Jesus sired a son through a, a woman and that his, his great, 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 I can't remember how many greats, grandson <laughs> is now being kept kind of in sequester by the grail to... Uh, to be the new messiah when they when they roll out their plan of world domination the problem is because they have used they have done so much inbreeding to keep the bloodline as pure as possible i guess uh he's an idiot um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the clones and they actually clone um, him yeah they do in season in season 3 we we're going to see the clones the clones come out uh, that's what the other thing we see in season 3 when they're trying to to uh move genesis from they're trying to get Genesis out of Jesse and put it into this Messiah that we, we, we learned that they have a cloning process. And they all blow up. <laughs> yes, they all they all blow up every time. It's it's a it's we'll get, ooh, that's it's hilarious, but that's you gotta watch scene. it. <laughs> uh, let me let me finish. Let me let me finish real quick, giving us a recap of season three before before we get into our great our fun moments of season three because I just watched it. I'm so it was such a good season. Uh, but you know the Grail is still chasing him because he's refused to come back to them, and the Saint uh, returns from hell to hunt down Eugene and Hitler who have escaped. Uh, we meet the angel of death and we meet Satan this season here in season three and Satan. I, I didn't realize until I had to look it up on IMDb is played by the same guy who plays Tobin in the walking dead. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Uh, we learn a, a lot more about the whole soul stealing and how that works in this season. Um, you know, Cassidy gets, I, I was talking about that Cassidy gets his own storyline because we find out that, that Jesse's family kills vampires. That's what they do. That's one of the things that because they are involved in this occultish witch type activities, they know that vampires exist and they know how to kill them. And so at one point, uh, Jesse sends Cassidy back, I believe to new Orleans, uh, telling him, you know, get out of town. Um, there's this whole scene and it's referred to in season four, actually, where Jesse tries to mail him, uh, tries to cut up Cassidy's body and mail it to, (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know where he was going to mail it to, but as we learn in season four, I'll give you guys a little bit of a, (laughs) he didn't even try to, he didn't even try to mail it first class. Um, but um, there's a hilarious scene where that he has dismembered uh, Cassidy's body and Cassidy is able to put his body back together. And uh, so there's a bunch of season three is really, really great. You got to watch season three, Mark. You've got to. I have to uh, like <laughs> go back, rewatch and do the whole thing and just re envision it. I, I'm glad I have like the last week of August to actually <laughs> vacation and just veg and watch stuff. So, so the end of the end of season three uh, ends with, as Mark was talking about, we discovered there's this cloning. What, what has happened is by the end of season three, the uh, Jesse's, uh, 
Jesse's power has been fritzing because he gave a piece of his soul up, and the Grail still has that little vial with the piece of Jesse's soul in it. And uh, there, towards the end of the season, towards the last couple episodes, we learn that the Allfather, who is this uh, ginormous, uh, large, fat man, has placed the vial holding Jesse's soul up his bum. (laughs) Because that's where he hides things. It's so gross. Um, but <laughs> so they, they, they are trying and, and eventually they get to the point where, uh, they realize this is just not going to work, but it's, it's so funny what they've done is, and I alluded to this at the beginning of the podcast, they, they talk about the reason why Jesse was able to maintain or contain the power of Genesis is that is because, because Genesis is the the progeny of an angel and a demon mating that it could only be held by a human who is equal parts good and bad. And that's what uh, we find out in season three is that Jesse Custer is basically equal parts good and bad. So that's why Genesis is able to be contained. So they, they are trying to clone something and they use all these different, uh, these different mix and matches of, people like they have uh the one that they finally find that works or they think works is a a combination of the dna from uh thomas jefferson and wayne brady and they call it the tom brady (laughs) i'm a patriots fan i'm a tom brady fan i just hated that but anyway (laughs) um uh, but uh they discover that this this mixture of dna thomas jefferson and wayne brady is able to contain the power of Genesis and so they get it into one of the clones and we discover as as it works in that clone um, they go in and they shoot the clone dead and the power goes back into Jesse and there's this whole fight scene at the end of season 3 where Jesse eventually uh, gets the power back into him and then he tries to <laughs> he ends up injecting it into the Allfather and the Allfather explodes in the room with him and Hair Star, and they're covered in blood and guts, and the vial with Jesse's soul is rolling around, is hanging from intestines, and they have this big fight scene in the, to get a hold of that soul. And Jesse finally does get that vial with his soul, where he's able to drink it and get his soul back and get his power fully back there at the end of season three. So it's really great that we get at the end of season three, we get Jesse uh, back up to full strength power. And it sets us up for season four because Jesse releases all the clones out of the building. And so all of these clones of the uh, great, 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 whatever grandson of Jesus are now roaming the world. Um, <laughs> Which we actually do see in season four at one we point. We do. We're, we're going to see that in season four. I think we're going to see some more of it, too. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you remember about, do you remember much about season three? Do you remember what the Cassidy storyline was in season three? Not exactly. Uh, like I said, I kind of perused through it again. Mm -hmm. I remember seasons one and two perfectly when I watched season three, uh, again, after a long time where I was like only catching it episode every other episode because I've been busy podcasting with another 
so Cassie has this separate storyline that tells us a lot about him. Cassie goes back to New Orleans, and when he's there, he meets another vampire. And this is, as I said before, this is the first time in the show that we've actually seen another vampire. And this vampire apparently is older than than Cassidy, quite a bit older than Cassidy. I think he claims to be three or four hundred years old. Cassidy's only about a hundred years old, uh, or maybe less than a hundred years old even. And he meets this other vampire, and this other vampire also has a lot of like superpowers for vampires. Like he's able to 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 do things. He's able to turn into animals. He's able the things that that we know of Dracula being able to do that they talked about in different series and stuff. And as we as we as this storyline unfolds, we discover that this guy has a cult of people who humans who want to be turned into vampires. And they all live together in the basement of one of their <laughs> members' houses, uh, who he lives with his mom, and they all kind of gather in the basement there. So the mom is constantly coming down and like, I'm going to make pizza rolls for you guys and all this. And uh, <laughs> she apparently knows that they're vampires and helps them along. But what we find out is that this guy, what he does is he turns one of these followers and then supposedly he sends them out into the world to make other vampires and make other safe houses around the world. But what he's actually doing is killing them and eating and drinking their blood and taking their power. And what Cassie learns is that's how he has all this special powers because he's killed all these other vampires. And so at the end of this little storyline, this see here in season three, Cassidy turns the the mother the older woman, and then she turns everyone else in this little cult into oh, vampires. Okay. So, I remember so that's, that part. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's how that whole, that kind of section, uh, we think that's that everything's good, and then, but what happens then is the Grail comes in, and the Grail blows up the house and kidnaps Cassidy and takes him away. But in the process of him fighting he has turned hoover who is one of the grail agents into a vampire as well so at the very end of season three as cassidy gets kidnapped i think yeah is it the beginning yeah it's the end of season three cassidy gets kidnapped and taken to this place called masada which is setting us up for season four but just before the episode ends there um it's season three ends uh, Hair Star burns. Uh, he takes Hoover's hat off of himself, his umbrella hat, and he bursts into flames. And so we lose the Hoover character. <laughs> we haven't, we didn't talk about those those two Grail agents, Hoover and Featherstone. But I think we're going to talk about Featherstone a lot more here when we get into our review of season four. Oh, definitely. Is there anything else that you that you remember from season three that I may have forgotten to put in there? Not really, but, you know, I, I agree with you about, you know, to me, Tulip dying was really sad to me because that was something that keyed into Jesse all the time. And then Cassidy was always there as the third guy or the right. side guy. So the the story always seems like over the past three seasons about these three people. Mm-hmm. And Jesse and I, I, I always equated to his undying love for Tulip. So, uh, I just love that. And, you know, and then obviously season three was Jesse's way of struggling, dealing with the 1% of power he had. Mm -hmm. And I just love the idea that he just kept going full force every time, even though he only had 1%, you know? 
yeah, he still he still kept going and he still he still is Jesse. You know, he is he is this this robber thief. Uh, with sort of robber thief with the heart of gold, we we know you know we know that he doesn't try to murder murder people. He murders himself. Well, let me let me back up. We we know for sure that he's murdered one person. We know that he murdered that security guard. Yes, uh, just that was just cold blooded murder apparently. But everybody else that he's killed has always been in kind of self defense mode. So he's really has he tries to have a sense of nobility a sense of loyalty about him. And I, I put this in the notes and I want to talk a little bit about it before we get into season four is that as I, when I, as I binge these first three seasons, there were two things that stood out to me about this show that I really loved. And it is our three main characters because at their heart, it's a love triangle, but it's also a story about friendship because Cassidy often talks about the fact that, that they are his only friends in the world right now. And uh, we're not going to find out until season four some other thoughts he has about friendship. But at its heart, that's what I saw this as, is it's really a story about friendship. There's, if you go all the way back to season one, when Jesse discovers or is, is clued into the fact that Cassidy is a vampire, he throws him out of the church and lets him burn. And later, after Cassidy recovers from that and is in his regains his strength and regains his kind of full vampire powers they they talk about that and jesse kind of apologizes and cassidy says i remember cassidy saying something to the effect of at least you pulled me back in before i turned to dust you know so there's this this moment of reconciliation between them and uh this this friendship has been tested now through three seasons of them lying to each other. You know, in season two, we find out that Tulip is married and she's been lying all along about that. And we know as we're going to get into season four, we know some other things that are going to come out, some truths are going to come out. They're going to cause these friendships to strain. But I, I really love the fact that, like I said, I've binged these first three seasons and I was able to see that this story at its heart is a, a story about friendship, a story of a love triangle that's really, really cool. Yeah, and I agree with you completely about this, Steve. The The show is about the three of those characters being a family. As screwed up as it is, <laughs> they are always there for one another. Even though they lose their ways at times from one another, they do come back together. And I think that's really, as a whole for this whole series, that is what it is, it's, it's really centering around. To me, it's that is the center story, and you know Jesse just seems to be the vessel because obviously he's got Genesis. But you know, I I just enjoy it for what it is. I I love all the antics, all the stories, and how they come together. Exactly, as irreverent and and irreligious and uh, as as terrible terrible as it is, uh, <laughs> I I find it funny and I I like it and I uh, I enjoy watching it and I'm just I'm uh, I'm looking forward to how they're gonna wrap it up. I'm I'm it's on one hand it's unfortunate that that it is ending, but I like I I'm getting to the point now kind of with these shows that. I like when they tell the showrunners beforehand, hey, this is going to be your last season. Yeah. And and that way they know. And I uh, there's another show I watch called Killjoys that I love. And uh, uh, there's a podcast about it that I may talk about here at the end 
but they knew that the current season that is is airing now, they knew that was going to be the last season. And so they literally filmed the last two seasons back to back. They finished filming the previous season and they went right into filming the next season because they knew it was going to be their last one. So I, I just I kind of like the idea of these showrunners knowing that their show is ending and they're going to wrap it up and uh, give them the chance to wrap it up their way instead of so many times if you've been, you know, if you're in Mark and I's generation, you know, you never knew from one year to the next if a show had a cliffhanger ending, it might not come back the next year. And you didn't you weren't going to know for several months, probably. So, yeah, exactly. But uh, we should move on to some news. Go ahead. What you got? You got. Oh, the only thing I had for news is this Marvel phase phases thing <laughs> is making me really impatient. Like I, I keep reading all these things and I'm seeing dates and like. They're going all. They're stretching all the way from 2020 to the end of 2021. So, like, and there's there's movies that we want to see. Guardians Volume Three, for instance, that I really want to see. That we mm-hmm. now know there's no way we're gonna get it before 2022. Yeah. We might, and we and we don't even know for sure we're gonna get it in 2022. It might be 2023 before they're ever able to actually, because it's not even on their board of phases yet. <laughs> Yeah, you know? when, when they did the San Diego Comic-Con one, I think they just threw that up there because right now they're in the midst of actually doing these actual phases and writing them out. The only one that they have definitely going on is Black Widow. Yeah. So that'll be the first one we ever get. Yeah. It's just making me impatient. And I guarantee you within the next three months after you know Disney Plus or gets launched or whenever that time is i think it's in november november yeah yeah i think like just november before, 12th or something like that yeah just before it comes out it, it's going to be released where all right these are the definitive dates that these shows or movies are coming out so i think they're banking on the idea of disney plus is gonna give us all the content that we need to until black widow comes out and all the other stuff is going to be in play where they're going to actually start filming, but they're not going to let us know. So they're keeping some things hidden at this point, especially since Kevin Feige is now in charge of everything Marvel that they've acquired from Fox. And that's actually recent news, and I love that idea, but a lot of my friends are really upset of the idea that, oh great, uh, Deadpool is going to be PG-13 now. So he's going to be censored. And, you know, I've been watching John Campia's show on, on YouTube. And I think he's right in saying that if they do a third Deadpool movie alone, it will be rated R. Because they could always use Lionsgate or whatever company that uh, Disney uses that does R-rated films. And they could just, hey... Ryan, you could do this movie here, and we will release it with the the Marvel logo, and that's Deadpool. But as soon as you come into the MCU, you're going to be censored. Yeah, they don't even have to do that because they've established, well, they haven't really established, but I mean, they've kind of told us that Deadpool is a separate entity, is a separate you know, universe. Yeah, as a separate universe. You know, and and so they can do whatever they want. I think this is this is the way I think it should be. Let Deadpool be his own thing. You know, that's the way he is in the comic books. The comic books, the Deadpool comic books, from what I can understand, from when I've read them, they don't really follow in line with anything else that's happening in the Marvel universe, the Marvel comic universe. They they are not very clear. 
about it anyway. Yeah, so. they just allude to it, and that's about it. And he, you know, you've had several comics with Spider-Man and Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. You had a whole right. bunch of, now, now they got Deadpool and Carnage. So, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of things that they could do just with the Deadpool character separately. But they could incorporate him into the MCU, just make him PG-13, just like we got Once Upon a Deadpool, you know. Um, I know a lot of people don't like that, and you don't like it. I but. mean, no, I like. Let me don't let me go on record as stating this. I liked the movie Once Upon a Deadpool. I own the movie Once Upon a Deadpool because I liked it because we it's censored, but we know what the uncensored is. They have those inserted scenes with Fred yeah. Savage that are just hilarious. Okay, so I I love the fact that that they took the R rated movie and made it a PG thirteen movie. I don't want an original. Deadpool 3 PG-13. Oh, I don't think they'll do that. You know, if they're going to do Deadpool 3, it needs to be R-rated. It needs to be separate from the MCU and be R-rated because that's just that's just Deadpool. That's that's what we've established who Deadpool is and that movie franchise has established itself that way. The Once Upon a Deadpool thing was just a I don't know. It's a one-off. Uh, it's a one-off. It was a trial. Yeah. 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 And I think they would do that with Blade too because how how are you going to do a vampire film? Yeah, without the vampire kill, without, you know, Wesley Snipes has already come back with a few quips about Mahershala Ali being the new Deadpool. And my feeling is, is that if they do a separate movie with Mahershala Ali as Blade, and then they bring him in as Blade in the MCU, he will just have his powers and do what he has to do within those movies or his appearance but in his original movie he could do whatever he wants you know yeah. just like deadpool would yeah. you know yeah exactly so <laughs> i i knew you wanted to get that off your chest yeah but... i just wanted to get that off my chest real quick um <laughs> so let's let's move into so preacher season four has begun amc went ahead and they released the first two episodes Last Sunday, August fourth, they aired it, and I was Mark and I were talking about this before we started recording. If you are an AMC Premiere subscriber, you actually saw a different, not super different, but you saw a slightly different version of what was broad than than what was broadcast. And I'll, I'll very briefly before we get into these, this this is this is a spoiler full review of season four. Episodes 1 and 2 of Preacher. So if you have not watched Episodes 1 and 2 of Preacher of Season 4 yet, go ahead and stop listening right now. Go watch them and come back. Okay. Yeah, you've been warned. You've been warned. That's done. So what they did when when they dropped these episodes for AMC Premiere subscribers, they split them into two separate episodes with two separate cold opens and two separate episodes. credits opening credit sequences uh the same opening credit sequence that they have for both episodes it's obviously gonna be the season four opening credit season um sequence but i wanted people to understand that if you watched it on amc premiere you saw the cold open with the claymation god episode the the cold open with uh, the clay with god and the claymation dinosaur you saw that as the cold open of episode two, Th- when this was broadcast on AMC for cable, they took that cold open and they mashed it and they put it first 
And then they went right into the cold open of Tulip and Cassidy in a apparently looking like what looks like a motel room. They put those two cold opens together. And then when the hour, the first hour episode ended, they went right into the Jesse riding in the truck with the lady. Um, so might slightly different if you watch it, if you watch it from the broadcast version to the AMC premiere app version, you're going to see those, those differences. You're going to notice those differences. So, okay. That being said, and I'll talk more about that when we get further down into our, our notes, but episode one, season four is titled Masada, which we know now is the name of the headquarters of the grail. And that it's somewhere in the middle East. And this episode, the one thing I will say, this episode does something that I just, it infuriates me unless it's done well. And we won't know if it's done well until the, till the season is over. But they give us a flash forward, what we used to call in Lost, a flash forward. So the season, this opening sequence of episode one shows Tulip and Cassidy, and it's a blonde Cassidy, by the way, which is right out of the comic books, um, in a in like a hotel room, and they're discussing um, getting into somewhere, and then they show a they show us Australia, and they show us a card that says Australia, and a body flying through the air, which then lands on the desert, and that that body is apparently Jesse Custer, and then they give the card a couple months like months before. So they're giving us, here's where your characters are going to get, are going to be in a couple of months. Now we're going to show you how they get there. And it just, I just don't like that. I just don't, I don't like that as a storytelling, it, unless it's done well, I don't like it as a, a storytelling method. It just, it just bothers me. So yeah. when we get to the episode proper, we see that Cassidy is being held prisoner by the Grail. Uh, Jesse and Tulip, they make a run to break him out of there. Uh, a lot happens during this breakout attempt that we're, I'm sure we're going to get into in our top, uh, in our top fives. But the biggest thing is that Cassidy refuses to leave when they get to the door at the end of the episode, Jesse sees a vision of the world ending and the voice of his father telling him to go find God. And so he leaves Tulip uh, and then Tulip appears. She opens up the closet and we see the wig from season three's um, when she pretended to be a grail agent. And she still has the suit and the wig from that from that mission that they did in season three. And she appears to be hatching some sort of a plan. Uh, and that's going to bring us into season two, uh, season two, episode two of this of this season. So, Mark. We finally get to our top fives for an episode of Preacher. Yeah, and you should go first. I will go first. Um, my my number five is uh, just what I've already talked about, really already spent a lot of time talking about this bothers me, is this whole showing us something and then telling us oh this is where your characters are going to be it just it just bothers me and we don't actually know for sure because we know these that this this organization can clone people that may not even be actually jesse that fell out of that airplane and landed in the desert it could be a clone i agree with you i i think seth rogan smoked a little <laughs> bit too much weed and watched a little too much of quentin tarantino films while dealing with this season yeah yeah you know, they, they 
you know, Kevin Smith had stated several times on his podcast saying that, you know, Seth just smokes constantly and is creative. So <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm curious as like, wow, that, that, him and Adam must be in an office, like smoking up big yeah. time yeah. every time this, they write I, these things. I'm just, I'm just not a big fan of that. And, and like I said, unless it's done well, and unfortunately, we're not going to find out until the end, uh, really, or probably further down. I don't know how far away this couple months is in the season. We're not going to find out how well they did this. Yeah, that's 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 the sad part, and I just hope it comes out to something really good. Hopefully, it's a two-hour ending. I'm hoping. Yeah. So what was your number five? My number five is, wow, Cassidy and Tulip in that opening scene. The tale that Cassidy (laughs) tells Tulip about Patrick McMurphy on the high seas. He wishes for a sea of Guinness from a genie. It's pretty much a good joke, but the outcome? Wow. Never saw Tulip being with Cassidy in the end, honestly. Plus, Jesse falling from the sky from the plane. Dead in Australia? Yeah. What in the what? <laughs> like, to me, it's like, wait, where is all this coming from? I was like, I don't smoke weed, but what am I watching? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those things. That they've, they've never, it just, I can't, I can't say how much this bothers me because they've never start. you know, I know it's only four seasons, but season two and season three, neither one of those seasons started with this kind of a thing, with this kind no. of a flash, you know, flash forward kind of thing. And I just don't like it. I, I, I would rather than just kicked it off uh, and going right into Cassidy being held as a prisoner. I just, uh. my number four is that Jesse still can fight. Uh, you know, he could have used the power of Genesis on uh, Frankie Toscani and his, his little minions there that he fights when he tries to get Cassidy freed from the, the cross that he's on, that, that X, that, uh, that torture wheel or whatever it was. And uh, it really surprised me that even Frank, that Frankie was even able to get up after that beating. Cause, cause Jesse, he beat him down good. Oh yeah. That, that was, you know, that was typical old Jesse just beating him down with his fists. So it makes me question, is this a clone or not? <laughs> and on top of that, you know, he had an eye patch last season. I forget. I, I could be wrong, but no. The, the eye patch showed up. Is I, I just I saw it tonight. I noticed it tonight. It's in the opening credit sequence. There's a flash of him with an eye patch. So that oh, has really? nothing to do with the previous seasons. Yeah, I don't know where that eye patch is going to come into play. I don't know what it's going to have to do with anything, or or what. But I, I think it it's it shows up in the because I watched these episodes three times. Uh, between AMC premiere and on the, the on my DVR, and I think that's in in the opening credit sequence where they show him with an eye patch. Oh, okay. So I I just been seeing all these things going. What is going on? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's definitely weird. But I I just yeah that whole thing that fight was just I was just, I just loved and, and I, I watched it again when I watched it again today. I just loved when he walks in the, when he says, "Well, who did this to you?" and Frankie walks up behind him and is like, "Who's asking?" And uh, Jesse turns around and pushes that cart at him and says, "Let's fight." You know, I just I thought it was I thought it was really really good. That is an interesting thought that you have because we didn't see him use Genesis in that attack. Now he used no. it in the bar. He used it in the bar when they when they were uh, when they were recruiting all those Grail soldiers. He used it. So we know he's there for real. 
But you're right. Now, he did, when he was talking to Hair Star, though, he did tell him, take off the headphones so I can use the power. But Hair Star never took the... No, he did use the power. He used the power because he told that guard to take him to Cassidy. Ah, uh, yeah. He, he walked out of the room. He lifted up that guard's headphone and said, take me to Cassidy at using the power. So he, it, that, that, is, that is Jesse. That's not a clone. So, huh. yeah, I had to think about it. I, I had to rack my brain going, did he use the power during that little raid? But uh, but yeah, he did. But that that fight scene with, uh, you know, the only thing that was missing was we didn't have a, a nice, a good fight song to go with that. With that little, <laughs> there was like a, yeah. some sort of techno slash classical thing going on with it. That would bring me to my number four. Your right? number four, yep. Uh, that would be Cassidy got more than just a circumcision <laughs> over and over again. Now oh. that is pain. Uh, Jesse's scene with with Klaus and and Masada trying to get Cassidy back, you know, like you were saying, that that to me was like wow. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a that was one of those interesting moments too, where you know he walks through the metal detector and it's sent off by his by his lighter, and so he he throws the lighter in the bin, then walks back through the metal detector, and uh, so we know he's not carrying any weapons or anything, and they let him just walk right in, and you know we don't find out till the end of the episode that Hair Star is hatching up some plan with God about how to make Jesse suffer, you know? So we don't really know that at this point, why isn't Star just killing? Why aren't they just killing him or, or capturing him or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that brings us to my number three. Yep. Uh, that fight on the cliff between Tulip and, and Featherstone, I thought that was great. Those The bullets hit, you know, it's funny when they shoot at each other and they, they both look down and, like, neither one of them is shot. And Tulip walks out there and she sees that the bullets, you know, collided into each other and they both say cool at the same time. But then they have this fight. And, and again, it's only in this first episode because they did pick up the songs in episode two. But in episode one, we didn't get any cool except for that opening scene with um, Jesse and Tulip in the car, we don't really have a cool, you know, rock background music going. Yeah. A lack of music. What, yeah. What's going on? It was. <laughs> that first episode, there was a, a really lack of, there was a lot of instrumental stuff. and But yeah. So what was that? What was your number three? Tulip and the head of Masada at the top of the enclosure when Tulip is trying to open the door. Oh, yeah, that's the fight that I was just talking about with yeah, Featherstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny, though, because all she's doing is reading a paper, yeah. <laughs> and then she doesn't even hear Tulip come up. Yeah, you know, but the, the whole thing, you know the whole thing was a setup because she knew she was expecting Tulip. She knew that was the only way the door was going to be able to be opened. And then, yeah. So, so it was just funny. You're right. Though. She's just kind of calmly sitting there reading a paper and – then gets up and shoots each other. Each they shoot at each other. It's really, really. It's a cool scene. Yeah. Plus the the flying squirrel escaped. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I'm like, that's the squirrel. Who's in squirrel? <laughs> um, yeah. So that is it's great. Um, that brings us to my number two. Yeah. Uh, just Frankie Toscani, this character, this torturer guy from uh, he's a you know obviously he's he's supposed to be an allusion to some sort of a mobster Italian guy and uh, that those explanations he gave about torturing when he talks about the the rifle and he talks about all the different things he's going to do to Cassidy and then the fact that like it's really it's really chilling because he he makes that statement about now normally if this was a normal human. They'd be bleeding out now, and we they'd be dying. But because this is a vampire, and you can see that they've got um, transfusion lines running to him so that he's constantly getting blood fed to him so that he can heal 
almost instantly when these yeah. wounds occur. So just like you were talking about the circumcision thing, that basically he, they circumcise and then he heals, and then they circumcise him again, and he's just, oh, It's over uh, and over and over again. Yeah. It's pure agony. It's like hell. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your number two? That would be that. Uh, <laughs> I agree with you completely. That, that to me, was just like agony yeah. just to watch. Yeah. Uh. And that, it's funny, I, I, I had this actually in the notes for the next episode because they talk a little bit more about it. But, you know, Cassidy has this fascination with with foreskins and circumcision throughout the series. He always, he's constantly talking to people about, well, what are they doing with those foreskins? It's in your face cream. It's in your this. It's in, it's in everything, you know. <laughs> and so it's just funny that they were able to bring that kind of back uh, up on him. Uh, my number one, I really already talked about it, was just the fact that the way this ran uh, the differences between how this ran on AMC Premiere uh, subscribers and then how it actually ran in the broadcast uh, version was was just different. And it, it confused me for several minutes this morning trying to figure out because I knew there was something wrong and I couldn't figure out if I'd started the episode late or if my DVR had cut something off. But no, yeah. I, uh, I went back and forth on the episode a couple of times and uh, just finally went just threw up my hands and had to finally just map it out kind of in my head and go, okay, I see what they did. They didn't do an opening credit sequence in the broadcast version, but they did give us two opening credit sequences in the AMC premiere because AMC premiere is running it as two separate episodes. So yeah. Uh, what was your number one? You already did your number one. That was my number one. I, we already talked about my number one. Ah, all right. My number one is the whole AMC premiere and, and, and the broadcast version. Well, that would be Cassidy staying in the tomb. He feels like there's something he needs to atone for, it seems. It's it's really odd for him. He's like, no. And what does he have to prove to Jesse or himself? It's so weird. Yeah, it was it was weird. And I, I had this later in my notes as well. but Because I, I did kind of think actually more about it. And I thought, you know, it's... It's like bright daylight. Like it's not it's not like close to sundown or sun or sun up. It's like bright sunlight out there when they come to get him and Jesse makes that you know makes that that thing do you want my coat so you cover up from the sun and I'm like dude you're in a desert and the sun is everywhere. Like why did you come <laughs> to try to rescue him in the middle of the day? Like it, it makes no sense to me. Like I I see what you're saying about uh, about Cassie maybe wanting to atone for something or, or, but it really, I think it was more of Cassidy wanting to not rely on Jesse for the escape. Yeah. He, he wanted to prove that, no, I got this. Cause you know, that's the last thing he says as the door is closing. He's like, I got this. And he gets captured again. And you know, we're not going to know. We see again, he tries in episode two, he's going to try to escape as well. So we had a couple of quotes. Yeah, the only one I had really was that that in the bar when when he uh, when Jesse controls the the Grail employees and they all say together, "She's the boss. We work for her." It was, just made me chuckle every time those guys did that. Uh, I had a couple, but one was, "I see you want a vagina cut into your head, <laughs> Jesse," and that was by Klaus. Yeah, which was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> And why would anyone bring drug for a tortured victim, Cassidy to Jesse, when Jesse saves Cassidy? Yeah, that was that was interesting because uh, you know he talks about drugs and he's he's definitely a drug addicted vampire. You'd think maybe they would have brought something for him, uh, but yeah. 
Uh, we already touched on what you said about when I talked about atonement mm-hmm. with uh, Cassidy. So, and my other notes would be uh, the singing at the bar, which looked to me when I saw the scene a few times like the titty twister from. <laughs> the movie from du- *Dust Till Dawn*, uh, when Jesse and Tulip wanted to break out Cassidy from Masada. Yeah, it did. It did look a lot like, especially because it was all by itself. It's like in the middle of nowhere, all by itself. It's got a big sign out out in front, and it was Holy Bar. Uh, what was it? Holy Bar and Grail, or something like that. I think was how it, it it's is what it says, or Hotel Bar and Grail, something something like that. That it, it was pretty. It was pretty funny. Um, uh, we already talked about the fight scenes. No yeah. classic rock. Uh, oh, we did get that very short clip of Eugene and the Saint as they're standing in front of the house. Remember, at the at the end of uh, and you may not because you didn't rewatch it, but at the end of season three, Jesse comes back to um, kill his his grandmother. Um, yeah, and he burns I, I down. That. He burns down her house there at the end, and so it's really cool because it mirrors. It definitely mirrors the scene where Eugene. And Hitler may be with him in season two when they get to Anvil uh, yep. and see that they're, that they're so it's kind of and the saint says something and the saint, you know, does his thing where he cocks his head to the side. And he can tell that Jesse's using the power and he says, well, he's moved on. And uh, so obviously they're still tracking Jesse and Tulip. Yeah. And yeah, then we, uh, we didn't talk about that. Uh, the fact that uh, he lied, Jesse lies to Tulip about Cassidy asking about her like she asks you know did did he ask about me and he doesn't tell her that he did ask about her but then he asks her if they had sex and she says no where we know that this is Cassidy has revealed to him uh that they did have sex at one point and that he's in love with Tulip so yes. um this is the first time I think Cassidy is actually Jesse is actually hearing uh this this profession from uh Cassidy and I really liked when those doors opened uh, that uh, this, the music playing, it sounded almost like the same thing that was playing when Die Hard, when the vault mo- uh, doors opened uh, for them. <laughs> in that movie. So it was very, very similar, that symphony that was going. Um, but, you know, that and that girl that got caught in the in the door, uh, I, I thought I had it in my notes, but I may have may have uh, deleted it. That was just sad to see that she was so, you know, the power was so in control of her that she tried to stop that door with her body and yeah. it didn't work. And in that whole conversation that Tulip is having with her when she finds out, that, Oh no, there's a switch up there and that's the switch that opens the door. And Tulip's like, why, why didn't you tell me that in the first place? You know? <laughs> so, uh, and all those guys died, man, right outside, you know, they all shot each other. They were shooting up at the guys and I'm assuming all the guys up in the, the, well, no, because they were still there at the end when uh, uh, Jesse was walking away. So, okay. Well, there's a little other thing that I have to add too, mm-hmm. because uh, you think about the little uh, sing along that they had. Oh yeah, it, re- it reminded me of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they had the episode what? Sing me a song. Yeah, uh, um, once more with feeling. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, and it just reminded me of that because it seems to be like a trope for a lot of shows to actually have something like that within it. They did that with the Flash, okay, uh, 
last year or something like that, and a few other shows within that time. So everybody does a callback to something like that where they actually do singing, which I enjoy, which I think is pretty funny. Yeah. Which, uh, to me, I just like it. Just kind of reminded me of that as well as like like I said from Dust Till Dawn, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Nice. So episode two is entitled uh, Last Supper. And, and like I said, when this ran on AMC, uh, with broad, it was broadcast that it actually wasn't, it wasn't aired as a separate episode. They actually, and in fact, if you go back, if you ever watch the broadcast version, they list all the credits for the writers and directors at the very beginning of the two hours. So they don't have to have any break in between to give us. But uh, for our AMC premiere subscribers, uh, the episode two is entitled Last Supper. And we find out that Cassidy does find a way that he's able to get out of his cell. Uh, Tulip does have a plan to get into back into Masada. And we see Jesse get a little distracted from his search from God for a moment. And uh, we find out that the Grail is searching for the real Messiah because all those clones that were released at the end of season three, they don't know which one is the real one. And so they're trying to find them. And when they, when they find one, they, if it's not the real, the real one, they kill it. And so, uh, <laughs> I, that's going to be an interesting gag going throughout the season, I'm sure. And uh, here star becomes the all father in this episode. And yeah. I'm sure episode three, uh, episode three is going to, we're going to have a lot of stuff that was set up in this episode because, you know, the very end of this episode has Tulip being taken into the Masada, into the, the headquarters there. And she gives that little smile to the camera, kind of breaking the fourth wall there that she has, <laughs> has made it in. And we know that Cassidy has been recaptured by Frankie and his guys because they had that little fight in the elevator. Uh, and we know that Jesse is on a plane traveling to Australia. Yeah. Love that scene at the end when he he starts smoking and he's in the plane smoking and the captain comes over the the PA and says, the captain has turned off the no smoking sign. I've always wanted to do that. (laughs) Yeah, which is so odd because nowhere in this world do you have, like you could smoke now. No, No. it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So um, what is your number five for this episode, Mark? My number five would be the whole ruse with the kid with the dog. That was a bit cunning about the dog playing dead, but sad that the dog had to die in the end <laughs> when the the gun drops when Jesse, you know, uses the voice. Uh, the boots thing from, you know, for me was a little off guard. Might be because he felt bad for the kid. I'm not sure. Yeah, I had this is the same thing as my number five is just this whole thing with the I didn't understand like okay I understand you use the word the kid actually kills his dog and then so you see and you think okay the kid's probably not acting because obviously he was acting over the dog earlier and so I understand giving the kid the money um I kind of understand giving him the wallet I don't know what the point was of giving them but then when he gives him his boots I'm just like what that doesn't make any sense to me like it just doesn't there's there was no rhyme or reason for why he would just give the kid his boots and then and then he's walking around in his socks. Uh, yeah. It just and it's all It was weird. It was it was very weird. And it, it makes it even more weird by the fact that he gets the boots back at the end of the episode. 
Yeah. You know, so I, I'm just, I don't know why, I don't know if this is paying homage to something, if maybe, maybe there was something in the comics. I don't know. It's just, it's just a weird kind of thing for him to do, to give his boots up. I just... Yeah, Seth Rogen, do us a favor. Do a commentary for this episode when you put it out on a Blu-ray yeah, exactly. or whatever. You know, it would be awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so what's your number four? My number four would be, oh, the opening was funny. Silly as a pot smoker would write it. You know, apparently they were able to have an anus on a dinosaur and got it past the censors. Not a great scene, but it was humorous. Yeah, it's so totally. This was my number four as well. It's so totally preacher, and it, it's it's even it made it even funnier when I started making my notes. Uh, for like I said, I've talked about it already. Is the fact that this, if you watch it on the broadcast version, this scene is the very first thing you see of the episode. The, the, this scene of God and the dinosaur and the dinosaur eating his poo and then and then burping at God's face and God, <laughs> you know, it just. It's just so irreverent and so totally preacher. It was just gross and uh, everything else, but it's it just uh, it's it's funny. And I'm I'm uh, I'm wondering how when they do put these out, and I guess probably they'll they'll I'm assuming when they put these out on disc or when it uh, goes streaming uh, for non AMC premiere subscribers, like when it goes to Hulu, they'll probably keep that model where this will be the opening scene for episode two instead of putting it on episode one. Hmm. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, so what was your number three? Uh, my number three would be Cassidy's conversation with the old mobster about, you know, how he would kill him. Like another mobster dispatched another mobster back in the day. Uh, he, he witnessed it. Apparently Cassidy witnessed it and gave him the story and they kind of convoluted. You know, yeah, they had a they whole... had a bonding, they had a little bit of a bonding moment there when when Cassidy says, "Yeah, I was hanging out in the back room of some bar with Babe Ruth and Killer McFadden," and Frankie goes, "You knew Killer McFadden?" And it's like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know." So, yeah, to me, I, I found it interesting and funny because it's Cassidy just using his history of being around people and getting to this mobster who's pretty much from hell in my opinion <laughs> but you know and this guy's torturing him and he goes oh i'm gonna do the same thing to you yeah yeah and, and i want to see that yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I, hope, I hope that is that is what we we get to see uh that any but it is it was interesting that because there is that moment when you get the idea that he's not torturing cassidy for information he's not torturing cassidy for any any kind of secrets he's literally torturing torturing cassidy because it's fun and to teach these other kids about torturing. So when they have this kind of a break moment in between classes, they're just having a conversation there. And, you know, it's it was funny in the last episode when Cassidy tells him, well, I've been tortured every way you can imagine. And then the guy puts the yarmulke on and you know that Cassidy's probably never been tortured that way before. So... <laughs> so my number three uh, was that chase scene between, and I put Tulip in in quotes here because we know that it's not actually her driving the car uh, and these Grail agents. You know, I, I love that they had this song playing that's a, a little bit is better than nada uh, playing for part of it. And uh, then I just loved the whole scene is just played really well because it wasn't as I saw the dust and stuff rising. And I realized I heard, you could hear in the background, you can hear cars getting into accidents and I realized 
realized, and you hear the guy, the people saying, oh, we can't see anything. And then somebody will go, oh, no, I see you're there. And then you hear a crash. And it was just really done really well and edited really well and, and put together. And, uh, of course, then we understand that conversation that she had with the bartender where he's talking about how dangerous this is. And he talks about uh, airspeed and he talks about and she at the very end of the conversation, she says, well, what's the what's the biggest thing you're worried about? And he says the impact. And you realize it's because he knows she's going to be in a car that's going to get into an accident, you know, because she's got a fake that she's been in an accident at least. Yeah. And then, of course, seeing that blonde wig it, when they open up the, when they on the door on that, uh, when they, yeah, we see that blonde wig when the ambulance drivers come to get her. And I realize, oh, this is the plan. She's not the one driving the car. The bartender's driving, driving her car. And she's going to get into Grail headquarters this way by sneaking in. So I thought it was just really cool. It all played out. I didn't, I didn't see it coming. It was very, it was a very unique and I laughed every time that little white car was trying to get up that steam. <laughs> I just couldn't. Because again, you just know they're, you go back to that conversation she had with the bartender where he's, he's telling her, yeah, acceleration and this and that. And we realized that, oh, that's what he was talking about was that those little cars are not going to be able to get back up out of that ravine. So uh, where does that bring us to? You're number three or you're number two? two. You're number two. Okay. Uh, that would bring, yeah, my number two, definitely. Uh, my number two would be that ear thing. Ugh. 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 That, that was disgusting and weird all in the same time. My feeling is, did, did he get vampire blood inside him, too, and he becomes a vampire? <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't, I had, I'm telling you, I had to fast forward through it the last time, the third time watching it. Cause I just, I wasn't going to watch that thing on the side of his head. It doesn't, that even, was too weird. It doesn't even look like an ear. And the only thing I can think of is that because it's vampire skin, maybe it will, it, it will rejuvenate because it's connected to his blood. And in the guy said something about, there might be some discharge, you know, so I, I'm not sure what he's talking about. It's just, Ugh, it just, uh, it just, I don't want a foreskin for my ears. No, trust no, me. I don't even know. Like, <laughs> like, ew, like, and it just didn't like, it, it wasn't even shaped like an ear. Like I, at least if he had shaped it into kind of an ear shape, you could make sense of it. But ugh, I just know I'm with you. This was actually my number one <laughs> because <laughs> uh, it just, I, I, I get, mm, okay. So yeah. let's get on mine. So my, my last one, since that we've already got my number one, um, the last one that I'll say is just the the absurdity of that fight scene between the sheiks when he's riding on the on the camel and the the two guys approach each other and one guy's got a gun, one guy's got a sword, you know, and he uh, he yells at them to stop fighting and he thinks that the guy with the gun has been mesmerized, but he hasn't. He just stopped because the other guy stopped. And so when he tells him to be friends and the other guy starts to walk up to him, well, he shoots him and then you know, he shoots, he shoots that guy in the head. That guy's sword goes up and, and kills the camel, which then falls down and makes the, it makes him trip and fall. And he shoots, uh, up into his camel, which then falls on top of him. And so we have two dead camels and two dead sheiks here in the middle of the desert. And, uh, and Jesse just kind of standing there going, all right, well, I guess I'm walking to the airport. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. You know. And that was my, in my additional notes, but I was just like, what in the, 
What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, that that whole scene was just the absurdity of it was just again, it's just so preacher because we've seen similar kind of things before where 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 somebody falls or something falls on somebody and kills them, and it's just you know, it's just so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know preacher. it's kind of weird. <laughs> The only I had a couple of quotes here that, that stood out to me that I thought was great was when when Cassidy uh, keeps going through the in, in uh, the, when he's getting tortured and uh, the guy says something about you're you're the kind of guy that just keeps coming back and you're a screw up and he says you know us Irish we never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity I thought that was great and then yeah. of course the prime minister when he's in the box and he yells for somebody to delete his his search history I thought was was, <laughs> was just classic you got to have somebody you got to have somebody scheduled to get to your house like when you die hey man clear my search history you know <laughs> yeah my my number one that we never got to would be that ending scene but you already talked about that with the the no smoking and everything oh yeah but and seeing cassidy there and he's drinking three small bottles of vodka chugging them down and talking to jesse but within that same scene you also saw god and he's got a um kind of like a magnifying glass and it looks like a whole bunch of miniatures of everything what these birds are going at it in the background yeah. of him so i'm wondering if this is like his ultimate creation of what's going on yeah i took i took the whole thing and and i had i had jesse's visions in my notes as well um just you know because he sees the vision of tulip in the truck when they're when they're driving and then he sees cassidy in the plane and then i guess the planes overhead were all actual planes because he was if he was close enough to the airport um, to walk to it, but it, it just seemed that those planes always came out of the blue, kind of, and so I didn't know if the planes were supposed to be visions also that he was having, alluding to you know what we saw at the beginning of season of episode one with him falling out of an airplane, uh, but I took those those models and and God's little kind of wink to the camera there at the end is that that everything that's happening is kind of in his plan like he's he's yeah. he's got everything he's orchestrating everything and just like he told you know Hair Star when Hair Star said to him in the first episode he said something like well if you're right and he said I'm always right you know exactly. and it's, it's one of those things that is just really it's really kind of a cool um, it, it, it kind of makes you feel that like wait God is manipulating all this for a fun game yeah yeah in the end um, so I didn't put. They, in, I, I hope that doesn't happen <laughs> at the end, and that's the like. Oh well, this is my whole plan. That it's always well. You know, it's that's. Eh, I'm not going to get into to the the divinity and the and the sovereignty of God. No, we don't need to get. In. Okay, but nah. um, um, yeah, and I I did have I I had an additional note that I didn't put in in our uh, in our show notes though uh, was I loved when the captain there at the end when the, when he sees the child in the in the the house or the the brothel or whatever that thing is that I guess we're going to find out next week maybe um, he sees the kid and he says you know you've got to go help him don't you have a preacher's code and the preacher just kind of sits there and he goes well I've got a captain's code or a pilot's code that's what he says I've got a pilot's code and we see him get out and that's when Jesse gets out and goes into the house uh, as well so I really thought that was kind of cool that even though he had used the power to tell him to wait in the car and I had to, th- I had to suss this out in my brain he, he told the pilot to wait in the car or wait for me is what he said. He used the power. He said, wait for me. And then he gets out of the car and then he comes back and gets into the car. And so I'm assuming the understanding is that as soon as he gets back in the car, that releases the guy from the wait for me. Kind of like at the beginning when he told the woman yeah. to stop the truck, 
she stopped the truck. And then as soon as he gets out, she's no longer under his spell of keeping the truck stopped. He didn't tell her to wait for him. So that's why she's able to leave when the kid pulls the gun, you know. So it, it, it seems he needs to be a little more uh, precise with his, his wording sometimes, kind of like Kilgrave and Jessica Jones. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, you had one other note on here? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the one other note would I I would have would be the Lost Apostles apparently is a huge rock that looks like an erect penis. <laughs> yeah, is that a real monument in Australia? I've got I got to look that up right now. I don't uh, know, but <laughs> it, the, how high are the showrunners when they think this stuff up? Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, I'm I, I'm looking this up because I got to know if this thing is an actual. Uh, vision yeah, of or if this is what is just, really there you know <laughs> i'm not finding any rock any anything so that must be something that the that the comic or the show runners have made up i think it had to do from the show runners and they were yeah. really high yeah. <laughs> because yeah. honestly come on it's like that that's something from a stoner's that point of view yeah, i think exactly exactly <laughs> very cool well so that is our discussion of preacher episodes uh, recap and review of seasons one through three and then uh top fives for season four episodes one and two yeah and we got a few podcast recommendations yeah just want to um i know uh, we have to go back lost revisited is taking a break this week but uh, always remember to check them out on next level and podcastica also tv podcast industries that we talked about earlier is podcasting about amazon's the boys i've sent them in a couple of voicemails uh for their for their podcast. They're also doing a podcast on Pennyworth, uh, that show on Amazon, which I haven't checked out yet. And also, if you're a Killjoys fan, there is a podcast out there on Solo Talk Media with Mark DeCote, and it's called The Warrant Is All, if you like the show Killjoys. And I send, I'm send i sending him feedback as well. So Awesome. And I always recommend everybody to go see and watch, if you have Amazon, to go watch The Boys. Yes. Because uh, I feel that you know, Steve and I need to do just a whole synopsis of the whole season. I binge watched that in one day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I haven't been watching. I've been, I'm I'm slow watching it with uh, with TV podcast injuries, but I, I'm going to finish it up. I'm on like episode six. So. Yeah, we'll we'll throw that out at some point because honestly, I, I really enjoyed it. I never read the comic, but I really enjoyed the show. And from what I was told, there's a lot of difference between the comic and the actual show. So if you're out there, get a trade paperback of it and just read it and then watch the show because you'll be even more mortified (laughs) by the comic, apparently, than the show. But I enjoyed the show as it was, and it left off at a good note or an interesting note. And just watch it as a whole if you can. If not, just watch it in like a couple of episodes at the at a time you know to me i i found i love carl urban uh, you get to see elizabeth shoe uh there's a, a few other characters in there that will surprise you and make you want to keep watching uh similar to preacher where there's a lot of biblical things that there are things in there that you will kind of strain yourself if you're very religious but to me honestly i i i found it very fascinating because it was a comic and everybody has their own visions of what they want to do and creativity and i i enjoyed it for what it was uh doesn't make me bad doesn't doesn't make you bad it's just 
there there are some things that just go make you think about the world around you and make you think about what you're watching and have a good time with it. Yeah, it's a fun and show. It, and that's what that's the whole point of a lot of these shows, these comics and everything else is just having fun watching them and it's not centered in reality. So we could have a time to shut off the world and just laugh, have fun, look at these things and have a great time. So watch the boys if you can. Well, where can people get a hold of us? Can send us their feedback, Mark. Well, uh, Anybody could actually just go to www.panels2pixelspodcast.com, which will automatically redirect you right now to our Facebook page. So that's the best way to actually contact us is through either a message through Facebook or a comment on whatever we're posting at the moment. So if you have something that you find intriguing that you want to submit, always do so uh the page is open so for anybody who wants to submit an idea a thought or if you feel like oh this is new in comics please submit it to the page and as well you could always get to us through our email which would be panels to pixels one at gmail.com which would be panels the two is spelled t-o at gmail.com and obviously the number one in there but and give us your you got some exciting news this is i saw this on my feeds and i'm excited to uh that you guys have got this new venture going tell us about your new podcast network mark all right so this is definitely big news because we uh brian Malash, ruthie rink and kyle and myself have separated ourselves from uh golden spiral media and we decided to create our own podcast network. So with that, you will see links. Pro, pro, you know, within the future, you'll see a link for Panels to Pixels. But also, you will have the other podcasts that we're going to be hosting, which will be The Walking Dead Talk Through, Fear of the Walking Dead Talk Through, um, the Star Trek Discovery Podcast. There will be a future podcast for the new Picard show which is not really entitled just yet. Um, Brian's still working at, at out. <laughs> and uh, right now it's uh, a soft opening on the website. So you could actually go there and you can just put in www.talkthroughmedia.com. Visit us. Actually go see the, the actual website and you could see all our podcasts right now. Some of, our, some of them are still in construction. We're having a good time trying to Get all the old podcasts linked to it. Uh, we're revving up for this weekend for Fear of the Walking Dead. So by the time this drops, Fear will be premiering that night. So if you guys actually you know, want to submit any feedback, you actually have a way to submit your feedback to us. Like through the Gmail and the actual pot, the podcast website or even our regular Facebook page. So my suggestion, go to talkthroughmedia.com and just follow all the links. Yes. We're there, and this is a new venture. And with how Fear and The Walking Dead Talk Through is going, we might need some help, and (laughs) Steve might be brought along to help us with that. 
So he's always welcomed. You'll hear Lara probably and a few other people that uh, we are friends with, which is awesome because we like to make this. We wanted to have more fun with it, give it a little bit more time with a lot of podcasts. So that way you get everything, your feedback, our feedback, and just hearing us having fun doing a podcast. Yeah, the rest of the rest of August and most of September, I think, is going to be super busy for all of us because fear is starting back up. Uh, for me, Killjoys is still going, and Preacher is going to be going for us. And then I'm still submitting feedback to Strange Indeed as well. They should be wrapping up Stranger Things here in a couple of weeks. They just dropped episode six today. So that means they got two more weeks for that. So I got two weeks of trying to get feedback into them. And uh, so you can you can hear my voice on various podcasts uh, that we talk about here on this show and on other shows. And if you guys have any ideas of what you want us to podcast about... Even if it's a one-off, like let's say, hey, we have to take a break, we could throw that in there because Steve and I plan on wanting to do a Spider-Man Far From Home review, and I'm sure you guys have already seen it. We all have ideas and speculations and all that cool stuff because we love these comics, and I'm a huge Marvel fan, as you guys know. And then, obviously, we mentioned it ways back about doing a crow review so we're trying to talk our friend sean henniger who you heard or have not heard yet if you go listen to strange indeed you will hear sean and the language of bromance so i'd like to throw that out to you so if you if you like sean in strange indeed go listen to language of bromance we're gonna try to get him on for the crow review itself yeah, I think there's a there's a few people that if we can if we can if we can coordinate it up, we may have a big round table for that crow. If we can Oh I think if so. We can, if we can coordinate it up. Uh, may do a happy hour for it. <laughs> oh definitely. Definitely. Come on. Yeah, it's something that we all should talk about yeah. because honestly the the crow is what, in its twenty fifth anniversary. It's an iconic right movie, yeah. Yeah, so we we have to do that. All right. Well let's wrap this up, Mark. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this was Panels to Pixels, everybody. Good night. Good night.